Welcome, Green Future Growers, Progressive Radio Network listeners, and anybody who's new to the show. I'm your host, Jackie Marie Beyer, and let's get growing. I know you're going to be a perfect guest. It's going to be great. And I always (laughs) say new listeners and new gardeners often, like, their mistakes are, like, fresher in their head or their questions, like, the things that they've, or their successes, like, things that they, you know, feels like a bigger success to them you know, somebody who's been gardening for 25 years won't even like remember that. It's kind of like when I first started teaching and sometimes I was like, oh my gosh, my mm-hmm. mentor, like, why didn't she think of this? And why didn't, and like this other new teacher who was like right down the, um, you know, hallway from me, she mm-hmm. would often have more concrete tips for me because she was new and she remembered when she first started, like even like simple things like walking the kids in the hallway, like they had this very special way of walking in the hallway. And I had this like walking in the hallway song that I was saying and it didn't go with uh-huh. it. And so it was just like, you know, like little things like that. Just so you'd be surprised. I'll bet you know more than you do. Thanks. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, thanks for the vote of confidence, Jackie. Sure. All right. So I'll just introduce you so we don't take up any more of your Saturday than we have to. Sure. Okay. So welcome to the Organic Gardener podcast today. I am super excited because I have a listener on the line who I talked into being a guest and I know he's going to have just tons of great things to share with us today. And he's going to talk about edible wheat. He actually wrote to me and said, I'd like to know about edible weeds. And after talking to him a little, I was like, well, you sound like you could be an expert. So why don't you come on and share what you're doing and so um i know we're all going to learn lots of valuable things today so from denver and we even went to school together well we didn't go to school together but we went to the same university in montana but from denver here's matthew zeller 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 okay yeah well welcome to the show matthew hey thank you it's an honor that was quite the intro Aww, Let me say that was the that was the most flattering podcast interview intro I've ever had in my life. And mm. let me add to that, it's the only time I've ever had that. So <laughs> I was gonna say, have you been on other podcasts? <laughs> no. Well I called in once to a radio show. Uh that was about it. Oh, okay. Well, before you know it, you'll be podcasting on your own. I can tell because you'd be surprised how it how it catches catches on. And before you know it, I certainly never thought. Even after I joined my podcasting group, Podcasters Paradise, I still didn't think I was going to be the one with the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I just love it. So, well, go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, well, I live in Denver, in Denver proper, in the urban heart of it and uh i teach high school but i'm mostly from montana as you said and so we went to the same university but maybe maybe overlapped even at the same time but i don't think we had a i don't know i guess we didn't have classes together or something i think you were just a few years before me but um yeah sorry i'm in denver and i'm way down with gardening i'm super into nutrition and plants and eating healthy and uh that stuff just really really fascinates me and just the way that nature works um but i know that you know that's true of a lot of people and in denver there's a lot of i guess hipsters or hippies or you know whatever we're a blue state 
through and through. And so my wife and I, our family, we kind of have a, a foot in both, a foot in two worlds where on some ways, like we're, we're fairly conservative Christian. And on the other side, it's like, you know, we're into herbs and, you know, we have opinions about organic and stuff like that. So sometimes we're too conservative for some of our friends and then too liberal for others of our friends. And, and that's kind of a fun place to be, I suppose. Um, my best, uh, can I tell you a short story? It's a little bit funny. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then we'll jump right into weeds. So I think I'm a fairly normal dude. I have like short hair and stuff, but my, uh, recently this this is the funniest description of me i think but last summer uh, we decided we'd get chickens or two summers ago i don't remember and there's just dumpsters full of wood because everybody's flipping houses in denver right now everybody's moving to denver probably 50 percent of your listeners right now are in their car driving towards denver i think <laughs> that's a it's an official statistic so anyway, so they're investing in our neighborhood to a large degree, and there's just free, as I see it, free wood in dumpsters all summer long. So I told my wife, I was like, let's make a, you know, I'll just build a chicken coop. It's just a box, and it doesn't need electricity. I could do this. I'm not incredibly handy. So I would go running with my kids. They'd have a, be in the stroller, and I'd scope out the dumpsters, and then I would... um drop them off, put them to bed, you know, and come back with a headlamp on and grab the pieces I want. Usually because I just wanted to run. Sometimes I took the car if it was too big and I'd run back. And my neighbor next door said, uh, you are the example of that crazy neighbor. And, uh, and I was offended <laughs> a little bit. And my other neighbor, who's British, I told him later, I said, can you believe what she said? She said, I'm that crazy neighbor. And he goes, well, do you have an example of a crazy neighbor? And I said, no. And he goes, well, I think you found your answer. <laughs> so <laughs> that's my friend, Harry, who everything that comes out of his mouth is poignant and funny. So I don't think I'm the crazy neighbor, but apparently there's a, a small faction that does. <laughs> that's hysterical. And we did. We did finish the chicken coop, and it's and it's pretty good shape. I paid for some hardware, but otherwise, it's it was all donated, unbeknownst to the donors. So, what's it like having chickens? So you, maybe you haven't gotten chickens yet, but what's it like having chickens in Denver? And are you like in downtown? You're like in Denver proper downtown, like in the yeah. suburb right there. But I know like it's um. So we're it's legal that to have up to eight. And we had six for all last year. We fairly recently got two more. And um, it's awesome having chickens in Denver. I don't know. I don't know why, like, everybody doesn't have chickens. A lot of people come over and they see that we have chickens and they're just blown away. And, uh, and I think, well, I can see why you would be because it's kind of rare. But if you actually you know, observe and see how much, how easy it is. It's like they instantly eat all of our compost. And, uh, even in the summer we have Japanese beetles infesting our 
trees and everything. And so my daughter and I will go out there and we'll catch them and we'll feed them to the chickens. And I don't know. People say that seems like a lot of work. And I say it's really not that much work. It's average probably, you know, eight minutes a day, usually two minutes a day. I'm talking about the average because sometimes you have to clean. That takes whatever. But it's fun having chickens in Denver. And then they eat your beetles, give you eggs and, you know, make funny noises. <laughs> I know. They have personalities of their own. They're hard not to fall in love with once you start hanging out with them, aren't they? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm curious, well, what do you do with all the eggs? You must sell them or give them to neighbors or something, huh? That's no, a lot of you, chickens, is it not? No. Well, we eat a lot of eggs, and some of them are not pulling their own weight. So, so we we stay we consistently eat all the eggs that they give us. It, it works out. Cool. Well, good deal. So. Do you want to tell us about your very first gardening experience? Like, were you a kid? Were you an adult? Who were you with? What did you grow? Uh, you know what? I knew you were going to ask this because I listen to your show all the time. But I don't have a good answer. I don't even know that I remember my first gardening experience. I do know that my mom and dad, they both grew up in Minnesota. And they lived the farm life like wake up early work all day and go to bed tired farm life and uh as soon as they left minnesota they weren't keen on recreating that like there <laughs> there was no real nostalgia as far as i could tell with the farming system so we had a long period of years that we never grew much other than flowers and i think that i didn't start growing anything edible till uh i guess till i like had a paycheck and lived in my own house and I thought I'm going to really own this. So what do people do? They have gardens. And then I started slow and you know, that was like 10 years ago. I would have never called myself a gardener now for sure. I do. It's gotten bigger and I've started caring a lot more, but yeah, I don't know what would count as my first gardening experience to tell you the truth. Well, it sounds like when you got your own house and started doing it on your own then, <laughs> Did your grand so. like did you ever go see your grand visit your grandparents and like did they still have that big farm? No. You know what? My it just uh one side of my grandparents they died when I was fairly young and then um I don't know what they did next we call it. They just didn't gardening wasn't a big part of it and the other side of my family they kinda left the business sort of at the same time as we did and moved to Arizona, so. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So then how did you learn how to garden organically? Um, you know, I guess the internet. And uh, <laughs> I just, I'm not afraid to ask for help. I asked a lot of people questions. And you know what I've noticed is with gardens is that, um, like, people love to talk about their garden. It's like, it's like in college when every other person was in a band and they wanted you to come to their show, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at least at UM. Like gardening, gardens are like people's bands now, you know, that's what I think in, in the adult stage. So you can walk around and say like, I just uh, see their yard and say, oh, did you grow that? What is that? And it seems to work out. People are thrilled to tell me about it, so... 
Uh, I'm still learning, of course. I don't claim to be expert on anything. Well, I think we're all still learning. So my husband's still learning. I'm definitely learning. Uh, and he's been doing it for a really long time. So I don't think you ever... And like a lot of my listeners have been gardening for a long time and they're still listening. So uh, mm. tell us about the edible weeds. Like what are some yeah. of your favorite weeds that you like to eat? Here, let me run... Uh... All right, so I I've been thinking about this, of course. Of um, I've had this phone call like fifty times in my head while driving already, Jackie. Uh-huh. So uh, <laughs> I know, I mean, it's funny. Like I was the same way when my friend Lisa interviewed me, and then like we got on the phone, and I was like, "What was I going to say for that? What was I going to say for yeah. that?" Like the Peru dancer, like I totally forgot. So take uh, I was going to be so funny. Um, so I. Oh, I had a list. Well, I'll, I'll throw up a list. So, okay. Let me let me say. Take your time. Like I said, I can edit out pauses if you want to like look at oh, something cool. on your computer or anything. No yeah. worries. No, this is a good this is a good segue into as far as having the growth mindset, pun intended, about gardening, where where you just you keep learning and you keep getting better. Um, this was like six or seven years ago. I was somewhere and um, talking to this guy who had just been like intense woofing. Is that that's the verb, right? The World Organization of Organic Farms. Yeah. Yeah. He did one of those things for like a year, and he came back just full of knowledge. and And I just happened to hang out with him in the summer one time, and in. in uh, Nebraska and he's like you would never believe this but whatever he's telling me the irony of this uh, picture that there's these homeless people standing outside of a soup kitchen somewhere and he says here's what's funny about this is that they're all waiting in line for soup and at their feet is all these weeds and he said those weeds right there are far more nutritious than any can of soup in any grocery store right now so I was like really that's wild because I knew a little bit, you know, like you could eat dandelion, but it's kind of bitter and gross or whatever. When he said, and he started showing me stinging nettles, which were like right next to us, and then lamb's quarter, which was right next to us, and then uh, marijuana, which was we were in Nebraska. <laughs> so, this, so we were. This was all within like ten feet from us, and it just blew my mind. And you know, he was a little bit, a little bit. Uh, a little bit extreme, I thought at the time, and I'm like, you can't just, you can't just pick it right now and eat it, can you? And he's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is basically lettuce or whatever. Which, time out, we should probably clarify that if we have the words edible and or weed anywhere in the title, and then people, <laughs> and then there's anything like, oh, this guy's from Colorado. Yeah, I was just gonna people say, people are gonna make from wrong Denver. assumptions. <laughs> Yeah, I I know that that's like such a, whatever, a conversation topic. Every time I fly somewhere, that's the question I get. What's it like having legal weed? And I have no idea. Like, I don't smoke it. I'm not interested. Like, no one I know really does. We have a lot more traffic because of it. But, um, yeah, I'm talking about (laughs) non-marijuana and edible, meaning you can eat it. Okay. Anyway, so this guy... He taught me, so he taught me about lamb's quarter, and um, and I went home and I'm looking it up, right? Because I'm thinking, well, maybe he's just 
maybe he's just kind of a wild card dude. But I looked it up on a, a lot of books and sites, and and that summer I was eating lamb's quarter, like all summer long. You know, I started small, but but now, um, yeah, lamb's quarter. Like, do you eat that just raw? Does it taste good, or do you cook it? Yeah, so lamb's quarter, you can just eat it raw. It's, uh, I say it has like no taste at all. Of course, it has some taste, but it just tastes like a green. It's pretty, like you could sneak it into any salad and no one would notice. There's no aromatic or pungency going on with lamb's quarter. It's a cousin of spinach and, uh, Actually, the interesting thing about lamb's quarter is that it's also, it's a really close, I don't know how close, it's like a first cousin of uh, quinoa as well. And if you look online and look for like the difference between lamb's quarter and quinoa, there's lots of videos of people teaching you how to tell the difference and the fact that they have to have a video to tell right. the difference. <laughs> like, it's that close. So that was really fascinating to me uh, at the time because, I don't know, probably in, in Montana too, but in Denver, people are all about the quinoa. It's like the latest, well, maybe oh, not the are. latest. People love quinoa, but then you say, you know, that weed right there in your yard, <laughs> right there, that one, that is basically quinoa, and no one can believe it, but... Really? I haven't really gotten into the grains, you know, but once it seeds, you can take off the grains and and obviously that would be the part that would most resemble quinoa. And some people make, I don't know, lamb's quarter seed bread and all these recipes and you do, but I'm a little more lazy than that. I'm, I'm uh, pretty big on just straight up salads and leafy greens. So yeah, we let the lamb's quarter run and just pick the leaves and eat it. You should try it. Just I do. A... We have it growing at my house. Yeah. And, it, and yeah. a co- we get like a red, like a reddish purpley kind of one, and then just the regular green one. But I've always cooked it. I haven't really. I guess I haven't really put it just oh. in my salads. And then I like. I remember talking to um, this guy Joe the Mason, who's like uh, he works at an elementary school in Maine. He was one of my very first listeners to come on the show, and he talked about growing it there. And then I also talked to someone who was, like, trying to explain to me something about the seeds. Like you're saying, I can't remember the conversation right now, but I remember they were talking about if somebody could, like, do something to lamb's quarter to make it, they they could, like, make a fortune. It was something about the grain, kind of like it being, like, quinoa. So... Uh, but the I thing about it, it. Is that it grows so much better in Montana than spinach does. Spinach is yeah. not the easiest crop to grow in Montana, and lamb's quarter just grows exactly like a weed. I mean, it comes up everywhere, it comes back, it's always growing. Yeah, yeah, and it's really pretty. I agree, it gets big. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, I, I personally don't think spinach is that good, like, I eat tons of it but i don't it's more just like a vehicle to carry my dressing and (laughs) other stuff to it like spinach doesn't have that much of a taste to me either but it's just this is a a perfect example of what is a weed and it's just the stigma 
of eating what a weed is, you know, yeah. because it's just, I don't, I mean, I don't walk into every room and try to sell people on my agenda of you should just eat your weeds. <laughs> but when it comes up, obviously I'll defend it, but it's surprisingly hard to sell people on the idea that lamb's quarter is edible because they say it can't be edible because I didn't plant it. And, uh, okay. it's like, well, you look at, you know, look at spinach, taste spinach. Spinach is a lot of work. Like you said, it just, it does not grow as well as lamb's quarter. And one of my, one of the things I, you know, I don't know, I found myself saying is I say, look, if you buy a house in the winter, you move in, it's covered in snow. And they tell you there's a yard where your kids can play or whatever. The snow melts and then things start to bloom in the spring. If your whole yard, instead of Kentucky bluegrass, which you would expect, and we don't have to go there, but uh, instead of grass, if all, all spinach grew up and covered your yard as green spinach, like I said, what would you do then? Would you mow it and keep it? Would you eat it? Would that be weird? Or would you say, get that out of there and put in some grass? And, you know, most people go, well, no, I'd, that'd be like having a lot of free spinach. That'd be awesome. I'm like, right, nice. Right, because spinach is expensive besides. <laughs> yeah. Well, my point is, if there's something that healthy, that easy, and it's growing on its own, I don't know, to me, I think, let's learn a little more and give it a try, but... Um, you know that's a harder that's a harder, a harder paradigm breakthrough. <laughs> yeah, but lamb's quarter it's pretty awesome. There's they grow huge too. They get tall. Yeah, and they get nice sized leaves. Yeah, is the nice thing about it. So, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of lamb's quarter for sure. I kind of gave up on spinach this year after I grew Lucinto kale, and mm -hmm. I found out that kale is just so much more nutritious. I was like, well, why would I even, why deal with the spinach thing that bolts <laughs> so fast? So fast. And the kale grew, I mean, and it was huge, and it was, I, you know, I don't know, I don't want to say it wasn't as tasty, but um, mm. it it's almost like sweeter in some places. Uh, and especially like the kale that came back from seed from the year before, that yeah. was so sweet. That was just like, it was almost like having maple syrup in my stir fries. So, yeah, I had the same experience. I pretty much gave up on spinach. I'll still buy it. I'll still eat it, of course, but I think I'm done growing it. So I, what else do you want to tell us about stinging nettles? Did you end up growing that? Cause that's something I don't have any experience with. Yeah, Harris, let me run you through the, oh, let yeah, me run okay. you through my list. So okay. this is, this is what I was thinking. Now, first of all, I'll tell you that if you haven't noticed from uh, me pulling wood out of people's dumpster, like I'll go, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little cheap, um, but, I'm, but I'm, I'll put in the work. Why throw all that away anyway? There's lots of great stuff in the dumpsters. Yeah, I don't know if I want to go on the record saying that, but I totally agree. Uh, so, um, 
stinging nettles there's a lot of there's a lot of beneficial properties and and all the books and all the resources like those are in people's top few in fact if you look up de- the top detoxifying herbs that you can buy you know an extract essential oils whatever for $20 for 4 ounces on Amazon and stuff they have stinging nettle extract as well as basically everything I'm about to tell you, you can pay for the extract and it can come from, you know, like an herbalist apothecary or extract or anything. But with stinging nettles, I don't even know if they grow in my zone or zip code. I, cause I, we see them when we go to Nebraska, but I've, I've either never seen them in Colorado or I just don't know what they look like. And that's a possibility too. So to answer your question, no, the first day six years ago that we looked at nettles, that was like the last day I ate stinging nettles. But he had he had prepped them in a way that they don't sting, obviously. So let me run you through my list. I was thinking, because um, since learning about weeds, you know, I I want to learn about every weed that I see, and now I've got a fairly good repertoire of knowing what they are when I see them, and uh, when I go around to other states or other places I use um, well I always notice now so these are the ones I was thinking let's see looks like I have uh, three five or six here these are the ones that I think the majority of people will be able to find without much effort okay ready yeah all right one that everyone knows dandelion um so dandelion is, I mean, anyone can look this up anywhere, but dandelion is, dandelion is a pretty heavy hitter. It is nutritionally dense, and every part is good for different reasons. Like you can make wine out of the flowers. I've never done that. You can eat the leaves straight up, or you can apparently freeze them. I've never done that. You can dehydrate them and use them as a tea or sprinkle them on salad or you know anything sneak them in i have done that um we have a lot of a lot of dehydrated dandelion we use it as tea and and then the root is like good for all kinds of things i did it once i dug up a bunch of roots and then i baked them like i was following the directions to make a a coffee substitute and i mean it was fun i felt like you know a cowboy when I was drinking it, but it was a lot of work. So I only did it the one time. But if you look up like uh, medicinal qualities of dandelion, it kind of sounds like one of those too good to be true type of type of plants. Like it's used for loss of appetite and upset stomach. And then uh, muscle aches apparently has to do with eczema and bruises. Like, I don't even know that those are related. And, uh, just lots of different things. And I find that if you eat dandelion leaves raw, at first I didn't like them. Um, but over time I've really, I've come to learn to like things that are more sour. So now I can um, just eat dandelion straight up. Um, but if you cook them into things and start small, dandelions are fairly easy to eat. All right, next on my list is uh, mallow. Do you know mallow? Yeah, it's kind of like a geranium, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, and Mallow, I see that, like, lots of places, too. I'll say Mallow is... Mallow is actually the hardest of all the ones on my list. It's the hardest for, uh, for me to get excited about. I don't dislike it. I do pick it. Um, I try to be responsible about saying, is there anything dangerous about eating this weed? And in most cases, no. I mean, in most cases, the danger is... Yeah, the danger is that it's been sprayed with something, so don't eat it. But if it's from my own backyard or, you know, a big field or something, mm -hmm. I know it's going to be safe. Mallow is one where they say if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, small doses, be careful. And that's been us for the last six years. But um, I don't know. How would you describe mallow? It kind of looks like uh, lily pads. They have pretty long stems. <laughs> Um, my favorite thing about Mallow is actually the Latin name. Uh, oh, I'm a big language guy. I actually teach language. So one way to, <laughs> one way to increase the credibility or what I thought would increase my credibility when I'm speaking on weeds is if I would learn all the Latin names and that's oh. been fun. So I did, I learned all the Latin names of, wow. you know, not all weeds, but I probably got like eight or nine of them and they're the eight or nine that are everywhere so i'll go oh that's called but anyway the, the latin name for mallow is uh malva neglecta and that second word neglecta obviously has the same root as neglect i mean it's mm -hmm. just a straight up cognate uh which is hilarious to me because it literally saying it's been neglected like that what could sum up weeds better than that word um but back when they made those Latin names, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't like that, right? I, I have no idea the story of why neglect that. I mean, I, I assume there's other plants that share that same uh, whatever it is, but neglect that, huh? That that linguistical stuff is fascinating to me. Um, anyway, mallow has a lot of a lot of good stuff too. It's like. It's used as a skin toner, blood tonic. They say the same thing, eczema, bruises, and then joint pain. And I don't know. I don't even have any anecdotal testimonies as far as these things because I don't have these problems. But that's the thing with, with herbs versus like Western medicine, pharmaceuticals. You can eat them and they're healthy. They don't just cure things. They, you know... They work the way plants and food is supposed to work. So, kind of like a preventative medicine, almost like they like build your immune system up and stuff. Well, I think I mean all plants do that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. But those are the ones. The only reason I'm not. How do you eat mallow? Do you put that yeah. in your salad? Oh, good question. Um, all of these things I eat straight off. I'll just cut them and eat them like ten minutes later. But, yeah, so I'm not a big uh, artist in the kitchen. I don't have a lot of recipes that I can, you know, publish or anything. And I'm a little lazy with it. But you can you can do things with mallow. I know one uh, herbalist, she calls herself an herbalist, and she's a friend of ours. And she does, she's big on the mallow seeds. Like, she does a lot with those. But... Uh, if you look at a mallow plant and you look at the seeds right before it flowers and you think, 
if I'm going to get even half a cup of those seeds, that's going to be like 45 minutes. <laughs> they're small, and they're, they don't come in bunches. So I just, as far as economy of time goes, I just go for the leaves. Yeah, um, and then let's see. What oh, does she do with I'm, the seeds, though? Like she puts some like like sunflower seeds, like on a salad, or yeah, yeah, she does. She just dumps it in the salad raw and cold. And with all of these, if you look them up, if you look up what people do, uh, it seems like every person. I mean, sorry, it seems like some person, at least somewhere, has made bread out of every seed that exists, especially weed seeds. And, and uh, that's awesome, but I don't know. I don't know if I'm quite there. My wife and I were talking. We might try to do amaranth seed bread because, you know, those seeds, those are easy to pick, and there's a million of them. But we've, we've never no. even made bread, so but we'll I am fascinated about this because my husband wants to grow wheat so bad so he can make his own flour and maybe oh, yeah. we're barking up the wrong tree maybe we should be trying some of this stuff yeah well look into it um you've got I mean lamb's quarter is an easy one amaranth is a I have struggled that I to get that. amaranth to grow I have bought amaranth seeds I have yet to harvest a crop of amaranth hmm do you know what kind you have? Is it Palmer's amaranth or is it one of the like decorational ones? There's some really nice ornate like pink. Yeah, I think beautiful. it was probably that. That's what I got. Yeah, those. I mean, those grow, but when you buy amaranth seeds, it's usually, it's usually the, just the ones that are nice to look at, and, and we have those too. I think we have three different varieties of amaranth growing somewhere in our property right now but the ones that are kicking the other one's butt is you know the ones that weren't invited that's palmer's amaranth and uh, and we eat that too yeah let's really do that so that's yeah, the other one amaranth cool. so amaranth is really interesting to me amaranth is a uh, it's also called pigweed although if you google pigweed there's a more than one plant I that people... I thought pigweed was lamb's quarter. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. People call pigweed, uh, they apply that moniker to basically whatever weed they like the least in their area, as far as I can tell. So <laughs> some people call lamb's quarter pigweed, and some people call amaranth pigweed. But um, Palmer's amaranth, is the one that grows as a weed, at least around here. And you can, once you know what you're looking for with amaranth, you can tell, you can identify it fairly easily, especially when the seeds come up, because those seeds, like the leaves have some very distinct vein systems. And, uh, but the seeds, they go basically straight vertical, and it looks like, I don't know. What would you say it looks like? It's like a really fuzzy. Like a feather. Oh, I'm thinking. But it's all around. Yeah, like, yeah, it's about like a feather. So the weeds are packed tight. and But it's just really, I mean, sorry, the seeds are packed tightly together. And it goes pretty high up. And I don't know how many people let their amaranth grow 
big enough to see that, but you've probably come across it in ditches or undisturbed areas and stuff like that. We actually have um, a Palmer's amaranth in our front yard right by the curb, and it, like Jackie, it looks like a Christmas tree. I'm tempted to put decorations on it. I don't know that it would hold decorations, but... It's like it's the most beautiful thing, I think. And we've had at least four people come over and offer to pull the weeds for us. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I'm like, no, please. And I told my wife, I said, don't touch that one. And you know, don't let anybody do us the favor of picking it. I, I fear someone will. But we've made it. We made it this far. But if we're gonna make amaranth bread, it's all gonna come from that tree. So oh, cool. Amaranthus palmary, if you were wondering for the Latin. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. No, and then and eating amaranth allegedly, as that's gluten-free grains, by the way. It's high in fiber. It's high in calcium. It's an antioxidant. Um, allegedly improves vision. Again, I don't have proof of all these. Oh, the irony here: eating amaranth. Um, you know, some research somewhere shows that this uh, is good for for mitigating your varicose veins, which uh, is funny because if you were to say, can a plant have varicose veins, no, you would look at amaranth and say, yeah, here's some, right? <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. But I don't know if that's true. Uh, you know, I don't know. To, not if it's true, but like to what degree these things impact. Um, there is something with Palmer's or with amaranth that it's high in oxalic acid, which which means eat it raw and you're fine, but don't go crazy, or there's a chance you'll get uh, what's that? Gallstones, kidney stones. Um, but if you cook it even or blanch it even just a little bit that acid breaks down. But that's also true of spinach and kale. And and honestly, Jackie, I don't know. I I just recently learned about oxalates and it scared the heck out of me because I don't want kidney stones. Yeah. But I'm thinking the amount of spinach and kale I've eaten in the last like five years, almost every day, multiple cups. Like I should have I should have a whole litter of kidney stones by now and I don't. So I don't know why. Um, but I recently read a study that says you can eat raw oxalic acid and it doesn't make a difference with your kidney stones. I read this in a book and then he cited his work and I read the work and it was a research on, uh, postmenopausal women. So I, I don't know, I, I don't know if that applies to me or not, but I'm glad it's out there. Yeah, I mean, I think if spinach and kale were giving people kidney stones, we would all know about it by now because everybody eats tons of those these days. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. All right, last on my list, okay. and then I have two honorable mentions. Last on my list is purslane. Oh, cool. And, yeah, I think most gardeners know what purslane is. If you've ever moved a shovel or moved dirt with a shovel or anything purslane probably showed up recently after it's, it's a succulent um so you can eat every part of it well 
I've never eaten the root, but um, that's one. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's well, it's on my list of favorites. But I have pickled purslane. It's awesome. I usually just eat it raw. I eat all these raw. And purslane is cool because it's a succulent, so there's a little crunch and a little juice, and it kind of tastes like there's butter on it to me already. Um, do you ever eat purslane? No. And I just Googled it while you were talking. I'm like, that doesn't look anything like I thought it was going to look. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. It looks a little bit different from, I don't know, from what to what, like state to state. I was in Boston this last summer, and I, uh, I'm i a big runner, and I was running and uh, just constantly looking at the weeds. But I saw all these weeds. And I saw purslane, and I could tell. I was like, oh, that is for sure purslane, but it does look a little bit different. So, and that's kind of the hard part with trying to identify weeds or when you're trying to look it up and you see some guy in Tennessee made a website and, you know, you live in the high altitude of Denver, Colorado, and you're trying to match your stuff with his stuff. But uh, purslane's awesome. You can eat it straight off the, straight off the vine, straight out of the ground, this summer, there's a neighbor of mine who I don't know, but I left a note on their door and I said, hey, I've you know, walked past, run past your yard every day for the last two years and I noticed you don't use your uh, above ground garden beds. Can I have them? And she called me and said, yeah, you can have them. And I said, can I have the dirt too? She said, yeah, of course. So on my birthday. This is me being, well, you're that neighbor, right? <laughs> you have a great English accent. Yeah, well, you know, he's a good friend, so we hang out a lot. <laughs> but on the, in April, uh, I ran over there, you know, it's like, I don't know, two blocks away, and I, I loaded up a wheelbarrow, and I would run it back, and I'd run it back, and I'd run it back, and, you know, it was... So much work just for two four by four garden beds, but I got the wood and I got all the soil. But after disturbing all of that soil, I had like the thickest ground cover ground cover crop of purslane ever. Because as soon as it's agitated, as soon as soil's agitated, that stuff takes no time. It shows up. And the seeds are tiny. They're they kind of look like chia seeds. They're even smaller than chia seeds, I'd say, and they're perfectly round and they're black. And you won't even notice them unless they're sitting in the bottom of your salad. But those seeds keep their their vibrancy and um, potential for life, let's say, for like, I don't know, like 16 years or something. You can fact check me on that. But it's, a, it's an incredibly long time. So um, personally, I love it. I had a friend over and... Again, I had to pick the purslane. I felt bad because I have two full garden beds that I want to grow other stuff, but purslane just takes over immediately. And so I'm, you know, eating as fast as I can, keeping it as to the degree that I can, keeping some of it, but I couldn't keep it all. So I'm trying to give it away to people. And I'm like, oh, you got to eat this. It tastes like buttery popcorn. And, uh, Here's my favorite fact about purslane. You ready? Okay. Okay. I'm excited to try it. Yeah, I'm so sorry. You know what? People like sometimes. We have lost you. 
If you can hear me, I'm going to call you back. Sometimes Skype drops the call. And usually you can hear me. Sorry about that. No worries. Um, I mean, I don't even know what happened, but... Well, Skype just drops the call a lot of the time, so it was oh. probably Skype's fault. Are, are, are we still good? I hope so. I, like, um, <laughs> I'm looking at the call. I'm sure we're good. Okay, so I was saying that um, I am dying to try it because it sounds really good, and if it's growing all over, I'm sure it's growing in my yard, and I just am not recognizing it. Oh, yeah. Well, what? Oh, what are they I know what this stuff? is. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that is it? growing all over. Huh, and I should just yeah. be eating that. Yeah, give it a try. Yeah, because it's... I love things like that. Like, that would be great in my salads. Yeah, it is. And uh, right, here's my favorite factoid about purslane. Okay. Uh, so, I feel like... I don't know when, maybe like 10-ish years ago, suddenly everybody not only started eating fish oil, but everybody was an expert on why they were eating fish oil. You know, do you remember this? Like, yeah. I feel like overnight people are going, oh, well, you have to have fish oil. And I don't disagree with that. But the reason that everybody claims you need fish oil is for omega-3. And that's usually the end of the explanation like they're okay there's these fatty acids omega-3 and omega-6 and you know your brain is built of fat and it requires fat and you know eating fat does not translate into wearing fat it's like there's good fat and bad fat and all this stuff uh purslane is like how do we say loaded purslane is loaded with omega-3 and that's good to know because people always tell me I should eat hemp seeds because they're full of omega 3s. Yeah. Well, you probably should. And harder flex, to flex come across. And all that. But yeah, you're, those have to be grown and harvested and shipped and then purchased by pound, which is fine. You know, that's how most people get their food. But. Uh, and like I'm just this, this omega out and pulling thing. it as a weed in my yard. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. You could be you could be healing your brain and healing your hemorrhoids and diarrhea, according to sources. <laughs> Purslane has those qualities too. But the omega three thing uh blows my mind. That's so so awesome to me that that's there and then you know, I can't get over this fact, like just the the paradigm in which we live, where a weed is a weed and that's all it can be. But we have, well, so so we have young kids and our middle child, you know, he's been sick recently. He's been in the doctor more than we would like. And our doctor says, well, you got to get him on fish oil and it's got to be the best kind, you know. Oh. Here's, here's this kind and we're looking at it. And it's like, well, what makes it the best? And like, well, there's, you know, farm fish versus caught fish and all this stuff. And, you know, and I buy into that. I totally believe it. But we like that is not cheap fish oil. And then they got to, of course, make it shaped like a dinosaur and dump sugar on it. And so a two year and a half year old will eat it or whatever. But um, I'm just like, we have 
better than this, cheaper than this, all over the backyard. <laughs> and the front yard for that matter. But of course that's yeah, that's a seasonal thing, but isn't that neat about purslane? I I, I love wonder it. if you can preserve it somehow, like dry it and put it in a tea or freeze it, cook it and freeze it or something. Yeah. Well, you can uh, pickle it. Ooh. I know that. And then there's some pretty easy pickled purslane ideas online. It's just, I don't know, boiled water and garlic and uh, what is it, dill seed or something. I did it once. I don't like it as much pickled maybe because i have to do the work but it's nice when it like pops in your mouth raw so purslane portulaca oleracea in case nobody was wondering and then uh <laughs> and, <laughs> and the last one let me tell you about this last one is plantain and i only want to talk about this because i have a funny story about this too Plantain, so you, I say plantains, you think of what? Bananas? Yeah, everybody does, because that's what plantains are. And for reasons I don't know, even though I just said I like language and stuff, uh, this has the same name, no relation. So plantain, plantago mayor, also grows everywhere in the united states it is especially in grass i find i see it in literally every park and any yard that is unless someone's a neat freak but any just kentucky bluegrass turf there's going to be plantains in there and plantain uh or plantago mayor this one you almost should call it by the latin name so people don't think it's bananas but this one, it's uh, the leaves are, I don't know, shaped like sort of a spade. They're very fibrous. You can see the veins that go all the way from the root straight up to the edge. And they lay flat on the ground. And then the seed is kind of shaped like a pencil. And the seeds are all clustered together, sort of like the amaranth. But it's very straight, like straight up. So the leaves lay flat on the ground, almost to the leaf, to the almost like a ground cover and then the seeds go straight up and if you're looking it up you're going to go oh yeah i've seen that right yeah we i knew we have that all over oh okay <laughs> um so plantain last summer i was reading all about this plantain and one of the big uses for it traditionally for hundreds of years or whatever native americans they would use this as topically so they'd chew it up into a poultice and then use it topically for anything skin related like abrasions and bruises and rashes and stings and bites and stuff like that and and i'm going well maybe i've got enough weeds in my arsenal for now this is last year now i'm like bring me more weeds bring me more latin um so last year, I, re I read this, right, one night. The next day, I'm barefoot in the yard. I'm stung by a bee on the bottom of my foot. Oh. And, I, and it hurts like heck. And I, and I immediately remember, oh, yeah, poultice, plantains. Of course, it's right there because it's everywhere. So I pick some, 
So I chew it up because that's what it means to make a poultice, which is a little bit gross, but it's a French word, so it's classy. And then you stuck it right on the bee sting. And I swear, Jackie, I don't, it worked. Like, it remediated the pain. It removed the pain completely, completely, so fast that I thought there's no way this could have worked that well. And I I wanted to get my ne- uh, my other foot stung and try it again. <laughs> and I I swear. So you went around looking for a bee to sting your foot? Well, let's say let's say I wanted to. I didn't act on it, but I was I was blown away. I'm thinking this had to be a fluke. There's no way that works that quickly. No medicine even works that well. But I haven't had a sunburn since. But you can bet it's going to be game on with plantain when the time comes. And oh. I told this story to a couple beekeepers. Yeah. You know, usually when I talk about weeds. People just get out their uh, list of who to invite to parties, and then they take off my name. But I told this story to a couple beekeepers, one of whom lived next door, and they're going, no way, what's the name of that plant? What's the name of that plant? And I'm saying, it's called plantain, but it's not bananas. Look it up. I'm telling you, you already have this growing. It's amazing. So... That's my story about plantain. And there's all kinds of, you know, nutritionally dense properties that make it worthy of eating and and uh, and medicinal stuff as well with the plantain. So Well that's awesome. And this is a good time for that because the bees have been really like aggressive lately, so it seems like oh, more they? bee stings lately. Yeah. It seems like this fall we've been having a lot more bee sting problems. Uh, we've gotten pretty lucky. We live next door to a beekeeper, actually, and we just, I don't know, we get about one a year, but... Well, we've had, like, these yellow jackets at my house. They're not, the they're not like, oh, yeah. and they've just been, they just, it just seems like ever since uh, late August, like, for this whole month, they've just been a little more aggressive, and we've just been kind of keeping our eyes out, but both Mike and I have gotten stung a couple of times. Oh. So I'm going to have to try that next time. Yeah. I plantain. usually always do the baking soda and water trick, but this sounds better. Well, and like I said, too. it's definitely right outside my front door. Yeah, you don't have to go inside to do it. <laughs> yeah. All you need is spit and teeth, I guess. Oh, that's kind of gross. But anyway, it, it works. Uh... Well, this has been so awesome. You have shared so many things with us. So anything else you want to talk about? Did you have two uh, that you said were like on your alternate list or did we go through them? I did, yeah. Um, you know what? Let's make it three. All right. Okay. Two, two honorable mention and then I'll tell you two pretty interesting factoids that I've okay. learned in the last four months. Sorry, my honorable mention was um, Mullen. So, oh, sure. you know, Mullen, yeah. it's uh, called whatever, cowboy toilet paper to most people. When it grows really high, it's those great big soft fuzzy leaves that kind of looks like, I guess, lamb's ear, maybe? Yeah, uh, They look does. like ears, right. right, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Mullen, like, if you look at that, you can tell immediately, I don't want to put that in my mouth. I was just going to say, you're not eating the Mullen leaves, are you? Well, I'm not, but 
I've been really looking into it. So my son has these respiratory issues, and I'm thinking, and I yeah. looked up like, well, what are the respiratory, you know, specific immune system plants that we should be looking at? And I'm I was not expecting weeds, but I looked at multiple sites, and actually plantain was one of them, and mullen was one of them. Mullen is a huge one, so people are going nuts about mullen out there in the medicinal world. So I was looking into it, and I'm is thinking, well. Is it the well, roots, though, or the leaves? Oh, it's all of it. So they make tea out of the flowers. But the leaves, like, you can eat them, but nobody likes to eat them because of little hairs. Mm-hmm. So I'm still experimenting with how to eat it. That's why it's on my honorable mention. I mean, call me in a year, and I'll tell you what I did with it. Okay. I'm, right now, I'm trying to dehydrate some so we can turn it into a kind of tea or something. But... uh Mullen, I mean, Mullen's fascinating. I'll leave it at that. My only relationship with Mullen, that, does, that doesn't grow in our backyard because it's just, Oh, it does. I don't know. Well, you know what? I'm, I was just talking to Patty Armbruster about it, and she was saying, I was telling her where we had it, and she said it's because, like, it's kind of like the purslane. When you dig up an area, because it's got those long tap roots, oh, it's yeah. like for resiliency, and, you know, it'll, it's like the first thing that comes back to try to, because I was telling her it was growing all over where Mike was digging up his root cellar. And then it does, I think, like a drier, it seems like at our place anyway, it's always growing where there's, like, really dry places that we're not watering. Yeah, That's yeah, for sure. Soil. Speaking of which, thanks to your show, I am, like, I'm about to be the president of the Patty Armbrister fan club. Aww. She is, she is amazing. Right. There's not a lot of, I couldn't find a lot of, you know, content on her out on the web, but the, the bit I did, she's, wow, she is so cool. She is amazing. She is the most yeah. passionate educator and she's just out there teaching people. She said such a fascinating life and, yeah, she has, like, a Facebook page and, like, the things she does with the kids at school. And then she's always out learning new things and connecting with different farmers and sharing what she learns and speaking at different events. Like, she'll come to Whitefish and, like, ride the train for, like, six hours to come give a Earth Day speech on composting for, like, two hours, you know. And huh. she's just so um, generous with her time and energy. And, um, and, yeah, she's really big on soil health. Yeah, I have a full list of, like, notes that I took while watching her videos. And then I have another list of words that I did my best on spelling that she's saying. And, I, you know, I go look them up. Like, she keeps talking about mycorrhizae. I'm like, what is this mycorrhizae? Oh, I did, too. I had to email her and was like, (laughs) how do you spell that? Yeah, seriously. (laughs) I think I found them all. But, oh, no, I love that. Um. Oh, oh, Mullen. Okay. Let's go back to Mullen. No, she nailed it. So, and, um, so Mullen grows yeah, in those kinds of areas. My recent experience with Mullen, so I'm reading multiple sites in, and books. It says, uh, you know, if you're looking for specifically respiratory expectorant, immunity, all this stuff, like Mullen's, kinda, Mullen's your guy. Yeah. So I'm going, well, I'm going to go find me some Mullen. And... Uh, I'm a bit of a runner, so I went to, you know, like a kind of a state park, and I ran. <laughs> ended up being 10 miles into the last third home with a headlamp, so then I had to get to the top. But there was, 
it was already a little bit cold and it was a little bit high elevation, so most of the leaves were dead already. But I got, um, you know, to the top of this mountain and uh, there was some, oh, well, I won't say what was there, but there was no trespassing. And I, I got to say, I trespassed because I could see through the fence that there was, it was the perfect little microclimate next to this brick wall where all these mullein seeds had been protected from exposure to a degree. And it was like um, the perfect situation because, you know, there's no trespassing, of course. And, and normally, by the way, Jackie, I'm a big, avid rule follower, but I, I uh, made an exception this time. No one's going to go in there to pick the weed. They're not worried about you trespassing on their mullein. I know yeah, exactly yeah, what exactly. they're worried about you trespassing yeah. on. Yeah, I did not graffiti anything or take rocks. It was... Uh oh I was thinking it was, it was like probably somebody's pot, like marijuana crop behind the wall that they didn't. Oh no, in. no way! They'd probably shoot me. It was uh, no, it's like yeah, a historic. That's what I was gonna say. Fight. Be careful. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, oh, so oh. I could see exactly what I was getting. It was for tourists, but I could, I just across the fence, and it was the perfect like adolescent mullen leaf. So I filled the backpack and then ran home with mullen. Um. And then, so the other, my other honorable mention is actually Canadian thistle, or, oh. yeah, and, and uh, that only came up because I was at, you know, outdoors with some teachers and some students recently, and we're looking at the size of this thistle, and, and we started arguing about what it was called. Someone said it was milkweed, and I was like, that is not milkweed, and I said, yeah, you can break it open, and there's milk, and I said, well, that doesn't mean it's milkweed, that's, <laughs> this means there's... So then I started looking into it just to see what the name was, thinking I didn't think this would be edible. But uh, anyway, ask me next year. I have plans. That's that's on my list for learning how to eat it. But like I said, I like to just pick it and eat it. I don't, you know, I'm interested in preparing it, but with mullein and with uh, Canadian thistle, obviously you'd have to do some preparation to get the hairs or the prickly parts off. But they say the stalks of Canadian thistle resemble asparagus so much, mm -hmm. and you don't even, all you have to do is cut off the branches and just eat the stalk. So that's my honorable mention. I'll tell you, all right, here's my funny factoid. You ready? Yeah. I don't know about funny factoid. Here's the blow your mind, the mind blower of mind blowers. So I'm hanging out with uh, a friend of mine. And he said something like, oh, you know so much about weeds. I was like, well, not really. Just, you know, just the top six. And Anyway, and I said, he said, what's that one? I said, like, oh, that is called goat's head. So, you know goat's head? Um, is it, I've, or I'm thinking of goat's like beard, like cup. a yellow. Oh, no. I'm no, not goat's beard, no. Yeah. Goat's beard, good stuff. No, goat's head. Goat's head, and I don't even... I looked at the Latin, you know, it's on my to-do list for later, but I don't think I'm going to start harvesting this, but I did look into it because goats had, at least in Colorado, it's a ground cover, it's a weed, it's beautiful, and then it flowers and it leaves like the sharpest uh, tire-popping <laughs> thorn that is just such a threat. I mean, I have lost money and time fixing and patching and replacing stroller wheels and bike tires so much because of this 
freaking goat's head plant. So it occurred to me um, when my my friend Christian said, what's that one? And I said, well, you know, people who aren't paying attention, if they say what's their least favorite weed, they'll say dandelion. People who are paying attention, they would say goat's head because that is the worst weed of all. And he said, tell me about it. And I thought, I actually don't know anything about it except I hate it. So then I thought, well, that's no way to live life. So I went home and I looked up goat's head and I'm a little even embarrassed to say this, but this is what I found. There, there is one guy, as far as I can tell, who's a horticulture professor in New Mexico. He pays people like Cub Scout troops and things like that. He pays them to harvest goat head, goat's head, you know, in the right stage and bring them to him. And then he turns them around and sells them. And he makes a business out of this. He sells them to like uh, traditional Chinese herbalists. And then they turn it around and sell it. At, oh, I don't know how they do it. Tincture or tea or something like that. But they turn it around and sell it as uh, virility drugs. Or I shouldn't say drugs, but it's basically, it's like nature's Viagra. <laughs> Goat's head. Anyway, this is a little off color. And I made this joke like, well, that's ironic because it's always just been uh, deflating uh, tires <laughs> in my experience. So. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. But uh, just go show. There's a story, you know, there's a story behind every plant. So. Awesome. Well, I do want to ask you, like, my final question. Yeah, I'm so here. sorry. I didn't leave you any time. No, that's fine. If there is one change you would like to see to create a greener world, what would it be? For example, is there a charity or organization you're passionate about or project you'd like to see put into action? Like, what do you feel is the most crucial issue facing our planet in regards to the environment, either locally, nationally, or on a global scale? Yeah, are you ready for a big disappointment? <laughs> so I, I have, so I knew that was coming, you know, and I've thought about it, and I really don't know. Like, there's a, there's so many good answers to that, and uh, and anyone I've heard on your show, I thought, oh yeah, that's such a good answer, but I don't know, man. I think really? that I thought you were people doing say good something. things, like it all adds up, and. Uh, Here's what I'll say, and I don't have this in a in a, um, a succinct, quip style way, but um, it's easy to look at. It's easy to look at what's wrong, but we should remember to to look at what's right because, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of bad stuff in the world. There's a lot of situations that you know we could we know the answer to fix them. It's just the process of getting to that answer is, is impossible. But, but, uh, overall, you know, there's a lot of awesome people. There's a lot of awesome beauty just in nature, just in what's going on. And, um, and a lot of the metrics as far as quality of life have actually gone up a lot in, you know, in recent years. And it's not like my opinion or whatever. That's, I don't know, Steven Pinker and these guys. So so I am down with the struggle, but my advice is don't stay down because I don't think that's a healthy approach. What I just want to see is, you know, 
less greed, more love. To put that on a bumper sticker. How about that? I love that. Less greed, more <laughs> love. That is right up my alley. Matthew, I have to ask you, are you a rock star millennial? Oh, um, I don't know about the rock star part, but I I think I might have been one of the last millennials or one of the first millennials to be born. Awesome. So I was in 82. Oh, yeah. Would that be? I figure, The thing I always find is 1980 to 1995. So you're right in there. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. And you're yeah. definitely a rock star. Oh, thank you. A rock you. star millennial and a rock star neighbor. I think well, the neighborhood's thanks. lucky to have you. Uh, thank you so much for stepping out of your comfort zone and sharing your passion with us today and teaching all of us so much that you have really learned about weeds. And I'm going to check some of these out, and I know listeners are. And I am still looking for some other people to come on. I know my one friend, Dacia, who... Um, is like uh, uh what do we call it she's like big, really big on wild crafting but she does a lot of this um mm-hmm. is gonna come on and talk and then i'm still looking for some other people so thank you awesome. so much for sharing with yeah us today. no what an honor thank you Aww. hey there green future growers would you like your friends and neighbors to create an organic oasis too would you like others in your area to learn about earth-friendly practices for their gardens and yards If so, we would love it if you would share the Organic Gardener podcast with your local community or college radio station today. Thanks again for listening and remember, grow local.